0: The world of drug trafficking and organized crime is an extremely dangerous way to make a living. Sitting at the top of this lawless industry are a select few who made a name for themselves running drug cartels that rivaled the biggest business empires in the world. These are the top 5 most ruthless and notorious drug dealers. Number 5. Amado Carrillo Fuentes Dubbed as the Lord of the Skies, Amado Carrillo Fuentes rose to prominence as a leading Mexican drug lord because of his innovative and brazen use of converted passenger aircrafts to shuffle cocaine and narcotics from Colombia to Mexico and then to the United States. Born to an impoverished family in 1956, his uncle Ernesto was a prominent leader of the Guadalajara Cartel. It was here, working for him, that Amado learned the ins and outs of running cocaine shipments across borders. Working his way up the ranks, he eventually became the leader of the Juarez cartel, gaining that title after he killed his friend and boss, Rafael Guajardo. Amado took being a leader seriously and amassed an enormous fleet of aircrafts. During his peak, it's estimated he owned more than 30 Boeing 747s. His house, which was called the Palace of a Thousand and One Nights, was a lavish Mediterranean-style home. He would earn more than $100 million per month by shipping huge amounts of drugs around the world, and his net worth was once estimated to be $25 billion. He became such a well-known figure that a $5 million bounty was placed for his arrest. Under his reign, he set up high-tech surveillance equipment on his rival cartel leaders, and actually planned of moving his operation to the United States because he had become so powerful. However, he would be taken out before that could take place in a very unexpected way. On July 3rd, 1997, Amado was pronounced dead after a supposed complication during plastic surgery. The leader had secured an entire wing of a Mexican hospital, posted armed guards including two in his room, so he could undergo the surgery in an effort to alter his appearance. The official report says he suffered a heart attack due to complications, but many believe he was killed by either US or Mexican authorities using a triggerman or undercover agent. To add to the twist, two of his plastic surgeons were later found dead. They had been chopped up to pieces and encased in cement. After his death, his brother Vicente took over and became the leader of the Juarez Cartel. While they continued to hold principal trafficking points for years, they ended up fighting against the Sinaloa cartel for the same territories in the United States. As a result, violent encounters within the groups escalated, and between 2008 and 2012, an estimated 10,000 people were killed because of it. Number 4. Griselda Blanco Today, men mostly run the world of cocaine and drug trafficking, but back in the 80s, Griselda Blanca was a name known for her drug empire and utter ruthlessness. Known as the Godmother, Griselda had a troubled past. As a child, she and her mother lived in poverty in a small town of Medellin, Colombia, the same town where Pablo Escobar would hail from. When she was just 11 years old, she kidnapped a young boy and demanded money from his family in exchange for his safe return. The family called the child's bluff and didn't pay, so Griselda simply shot him in the head. By 14, she had run away from home and survived by turning to prostitution. She soon married her first husband, Carlos. From him, she learned some basic criminal activity including stealing and dealing drugs. They had three children, but eventually divorced, at which point Griselda had Carlos killed. Also worth noting is that all three of their sons died young and from unknown causes. She soon became involved with those who would eventually become to be known as the Medin cartel. She was an early smuggler of cocaine to the U.S., which she did particularly through New York and Miami by using special undergarments she had created and designed herself. During the 70s, she married her second husband, Alberto Bravo, and the two became key players in the Colombian drug trafficking circle. They moved to Queens, New York, where cocaine smuggling flourished, and they were earning up to $80 million per month from their business. Amidst their growing empires, Griselda and Alberta, along with 30 others, were soon indicted for drug trafficking. She fled back to Colombia, and while there, she killed her husband in a shootout in a nightclub parking lot. She was shot once in the stomach but survived, while Alberto and six other bodyguards died. She then made her way back to the U.S. where she settled in Miami, married again, and had a son that she named Michael Corleone. After a disagreement and divorce from her third husband who left her and took Michael with him to Colombia, she paid to have him killed and her son returned. Blanco grew her empire through the 70s and 80s, and was involved in dozens if not hundreds of murders during that time. She is credited for establishing one of the most brutal errors in Miami, known as the Cocaine Wars, and the city during this time became the murder capital of the United States because of it. Her favorite method of dispatching of people who crossed her was by using a motorcycle assassin. Basically two armed men would be on a motorcycle and drive by to gun down their target. The body count became so high that at one point, the local coroner had to rent a refrigerator truck from Burger King just to store the corpses. While police estimate she's responsible for at least 40 murders, many believe it could be as high as 200. Despite being wanted by the government, Blanco lived a comfortable and luxurious life in her Miami mansion. However, the attempts on her life by her enemies soon got to her so she moved to California where she was eventually arrested. She was tried and charged with three murders, but acquitted because of a problematic trial. After her arrest, subsequent deportation to Colombia in 2004, and failing health, Griselda stepped down from her drug trafficking ways and lived a quote-unquote ordinary life. However, in 2012, after stepping out of a butcher shop in Medellin, an assassin simply walked up to her Shot her in the head twice before getting on his motorcycle and speeding away. She was killed instantly, dead at the age of 69. Number 3. Dawood Ibrahim Kaskar Dawood, or Bai to his cohorts, originally lived in Dongri, a small city in Mumbai, India. Born in 1955, he's the son of a former police constable and a housewife. Dawood first encountered mob life when some local gangsters killed two of his friends, and it was then that he decided to create D Company along with his brother. D Company, which was short for Dawood, is now considered the largest organized crime group in Southeast Asia. It's estimated to have over 5,000 full-time members, with 100,000 plus associates working in and out of prison. They have been known to smuggle various contraband, including drugs and weapons, while also engaging in a host of illegal activities. They are considered a terrorist organization, funded mostly by drug sales and are believed to be responsible for the March 1993 Bombay bombings, as well as several other attacks with intent to destabilize the government in India. In 1993, Dawood was put on India's most wanted list and fled the country along with his family to Pakistan. Most recently, in 2003, the US government declared Dawood a terrorist because he is said to have funded Al-Qaeda activities and was at one time in touch with Osama bin Laden. In terms of drugs, Ibrahim's D Company transports huge amounts of narcotics, primarily to Western Europe and the United Kingdom. They use the money to fund their group and various illegal activities. Right now Dawood is still on the run and considered a global terrorist with warrants for his arrest still outstanding. Meanwhile his empire continues to grow every day and authorities still can't figure out a way to stop him. Number 2 El Chapo Known as the most powerful drug trafficker in the world, Joaquin Aquivaldo Guzman Loera, also known as El Chapo, is a name almost everyone is familiar with. His rise as the leader of the Mexican Sinaloa cartel is a tale of patience, ruthlessness, and opportunity. Born in a small rural town in 1954, El Chapo lived in poverty and under an abusive father who was a small-time drug dealer. After he was kicked out of his home as a teenager, he decided to follow his father's path and grew marijuana, selling it and supporting his family with the income he made. By the 70s, he had become involved with up-and-coming narcotics dealer Hector Salazar. The pair got involved with some local cartels and it was their job to oversee the logistics of getting drugs from Sinaloa, his hometown, to the United States. By his late 20s, El Chapo found himself under the wing of drug kingpin and leader of the Guadalajara Cartel, Miguel Gallardo. As fate would have it, Gallardo was arrested for the killing and murder of a DEA agent. Once the position was open, El Chapo soon rose to prominence as one of the newest faces of the Mexican drug world. After inheriting a portion of his boss's territory, he created his own cartel in 1989 and called it Sinaloa. Taking advantage of the slow decline of the Colombian cartels, Sinaloa filled the gap by controlling the cocaine trade from South America into the United States. What set them apart were the creative methods employed to smuggle the contraband. They would use land, air, and sea methods as well as built-out extensive air-controlled underground tunnels that crossed the border from Mexico to the U.S. They also hid portions of cocaine inside fire extinguishers and cans that were labeled as chili peppers. The cartel is also responsible for producing, distributing, and smuggling heroin, marijuana, and meth in Southeast Asia, and through other parts of the world as well. With Guzman as the leader, the Sinaloa cartel is accused of committing more than 1,000 murders all throughout Mexico, killing both henchmen and rival bosses. By 2009, the cartel was earning $3 billion per year, putting Guzman on the Forbes Top 100 Richest People in the World list. He was arrested several times in his career. In 1993, he was sentenced to 20 years and despite being in a maximum security prison, was given access to conjugal visits and the capacity to run his drug operations from inside. Two years in, he actually managed to escape by stowing away in a laundry cart. He was arrested again in 2014, but in less than 18 months managed to break free, this time by using a tunnel connected to the shower room and the prison to a small house that was under construction nearly a mile away. He was recaptured months later after giving an interview to American actor Sean Penn and Mexican actress Kate Del Castillo. Currently El Chapo has been extradited to the U.S. and incarcerated in a tiny jail cell with the lights kept on 23 hours a day and without any access to other individuals. Number 1. Pablo Escobar Born in Antioquia, Colombia in 1949, Escobar's father was a farmer and his mother an elementary school teacher. He spent his younger years in the nearby town of Medellin, where as a teenager he began his criminal career stealing gravestones from cemetery owners who had stopped paying for site maintenance. He would sell these off to make money, and eventually got involved in various petty crimes, but his big break, which also served as a good training ground for a future kingpin, was in the Marlboro Wars, where Escobar played a high-profile role in controlling smuggled cigarettes around Colombia. By the 70s, marijuana smuggling became prolific in the country because of its strategic location. However, Escobar soon saw an opportunity to smuggle cocaine, seeing the industry as untapped territory. In 1975, Fabio Restrepo, a prominent Medellin drug trafficker, was murdered, and soon Escobar took over his territory, seizing power and growing his realm in ways the world had never seen before. Pablo bought large amounts of cocaine paste from countries like Peru and Bolivia. These were then refined and smuggled into the U.S., Escobar's biggest market. In 1976, he and his men were caught smuggling the paste from Ecuador. He first attempted to bribe the judges to drop the case against him, but it didn't work. His hand was forced and as a result, the two arresting officers were murdered. His case was then dropped. This would mark his way of dealing with the authorities and government who opposed him. If they didn't accept the bribe, they would be killed. By the 80s, he had formed a small group that called themselves the Medellin Cartel. It took only a few years for them to gain control of the cocaine market, and by the middle of the decade, they were exporting 80% of the cocaine brought into the U.S. The result was a weekly revenue of around $420 million. With so much money coming in, Escobar had to buy a private Learjet just to bring in the cash. With his growing empire, there came scrutiny from the local and U.S. government. In a bid to prevent an extradition treaty with the U.S., Escobar terrorized the government. This culminated in the 1985 storming of the Colombian Supreme Court, where armed guerrillas known as the 19th of April Movement, or M19, sieged the court destroyed important papers relating to the extradition, and killing half of the Supreme Court judges while taking hostages. Escobar would not think twice about murdering those who opposed him. Because of this, in 1991, more than 25,000 deaths were recorded. The following year, that figure increased to 27,000, and Colombia became known as the murder capital of the world. The cartel killed over 600 police officers and are also held responsible for the 1989 Colombian jetliner bombing, which killed more than 100 people. But eventually things caught up with Pablo, and finally he was killed in a shootout on December 2, 1993. His death marked the demise of the cartel and Colombia's key role in the cocaine trade. Despite celebrations ringing from parts of Colombia and most of the world, his death was also mourned. It's estimated that 25,000 people attended his funeral, his family was put in witness protection, and most recently his son, who has changed his name to Sebastian Marroquin, wrote a book about the father he remembers, insisting that Escobar killed himself instead of getting shot by those that pursued him. So those were the top five most ruthless and notorious drug dealers. They say crime doesn't pay, but for a brief while these people flourished under the drug trade, building their empires on top of the suffering of many. If you liked this video, then please subscribe to our channel. Every week we'll bring you a new scary mysteries to enjoy. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next week.